0: everybody! Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to talk about Jesus and one of my favorite stories of his interactions with a very special person. guys, I sometimes get caught up in my love of defending the real God and talking about religion and all that kind of stuff. And I completely forget to talk about Jesus, because that's kind of the point of this whole thing. I mean, it is called looking for the real God, which would be Jesus. But I just get distracted by that. And I was thinking about that this last few weeks. And I was like, you know what, I want to do a series or a couple mini short episodes or whatever about My favorite stories of Jesus and just what they expose to me about the real God and how he is so unexpected and just so unusual and just the things that he does, it just blows our mind. Like, what is he thinking? What is he doing? And so I want to start with a well-known story. And this is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, and it's found in John 4, and I was just doing some research on the netbible.org, which is one of my very favorite resources for Bible study. And it has a Bible translation, and it also has just this whole huge pile of commentaries and lexicons and concordances and all kinds of stuff right there at your fingertips. So I will link that in my notes. But as I was doing some research, some of this is things that I've heard before, and some of it was new. So let's just talk about this story. Jesus and his disciples are headed back from Jerusalem up towards Galilee. And John 4 opens and it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And it's really interesting because geographically, Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. There was other ways around Samaria. Many of the more religious Jews tried to avoid Samaria because this area was just inhabited by people they considered to be half-breeds. So after the exile, some of the people that were left behind in the Jewish nation intermarried with people that were brought in that were foreigners. And the Samaritans ended up just kind of being these half breeds. They were just really looked down on by the Jewish religious people. They also kind of did their own thing with worship. They kind of took like part of the Jewish traditions and part of um, more like heathen traditions and mixed them up and did their own little thing. They actually had their own temple for a while until the Jews destroyed it. So there was just a lot of hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans, which you will see over and over again in the Gospels. And Jesus is really great at just picking up and making the Samaritans like your key player. Like in the um, guy gets attacked by robbers and the Samaritan is the one that helps him out. He's just really good at pulling that together. But as we're looking at John 4, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria One of the Bible notes on this, they said it wasn't so much that he had to geographically, but that word is almost used over and over again in John as like God's will. Like Jesus had to go there because there was an interaction that he was supposed to be having in Samaria. And Jesus knows this. And so he's following the will of his father of God. And he's going to Samaria. and I love that. It's like he has this purpose, this intentionality, and he is going here to meet this person. And to have this experience with the Samaritans. And so they go, they stop at this well, Jesus is tired, his disciples go ahead into the town to buy some food, and a woman comes out to draw water. And this is like not the time of day to be getting water. And so you kind of know already that she's probably someone who's kind of an outcast. So an outcast among the outcasts, isn't that fantastic? Here she is, she's drawing water in the middle of the day. It's probably around lunchtime. It's hot. It's not the time of day that women come and get water. That would happen more in the mornings. But here she is, kind of avoiding the crowd, doing her own thing, getting water. And Jesus is sitting here by the well. Now, the fact that he even opened his mouth to talk to her is astounding on like three levels. First of all, he is a Jew and she's a Samaritan. They don't they don't interact with each other back then. This was not a thing. They just do their own thing and they avoid each other. Second of all, he's holy God. And this woman is a sinner. As we find out later in her story, like she's a mess. And thirdly, Jesus is a man and she's a woman. And the Jewish culture did not value women. Women were considered property. It was not, they were not valued at all. And so Jesus, the Jew, the man, the righteous God, reaches out to this woman, and he asks her for a drink. And what, what happens next is this conversation between Jesus and this woman. And they talk about water. Jesus offers her living water. She's a little bit confused. And they move from that to talk about her life. He asks her to go and get her husband. And she tells him that she doesn't have a husband. He tells her, yeah, I know. You actually have had five. And the man you're with right now, you're not even married to him. She recognizes that he knows more than he should know. And she says, oh, he must be a prophet. And so she wants to know about worship. And they start talking about worship, Jewish worship versus Samaritan worship. And it's so interesting to watch this progression. Like Jesus goes out of his way to engage this broken woman who was an outcast in her city. She's not got it together. But Jesus doesn't care. He's like actively pursuing her. He lets her know that he understands all of her sin. He lets her know that she needs a savior. And then he introduces himself. I love this part. She says, after they're talking about worship, she says, I know that the Messiah is going to come. And someday he's going to explain all of this. And Jesus looks at her and he says, yeah, that's me. Oh my gosh, I just get goosebumps, and there's tears in my eyes right now. And I'm just thinking about this interaction between Jesus and this woman who is just like, "What is going on?" And she literally just leaves her pot there by the well, and she runs into the city to tell everybody, "Like, you gotta go meet this guy. I don't know what's going on, but he's told me everything I've ever done. Could it possibly be that he is the Messiah?" Because the Samaritans were also looking for the Messiah. They had enough of the understanding of the Jewish religion to know there was a Messiah coming. And the whole town comes out with her to talk to Jesus. Jesus stays with them for two days. And it says by the end, they believed. They believed in him. And they told the woman that we don't just believe because of what you said. But we have seen and we've heard and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Wow. There is so much that can be unpacked from this story. I mean, we could just go in a million different directions. But the thing that just amazes me about Jesus is how he tells these parables about looking for a lost sheep. You know, one lost sheep. The shepherd goes out and looks for that sheep until he finds him and rejoices. He talks about woman finding one lost coin and rejoicing. And then he tells the story of the prodigal son and how the father rejoices in his lost son coming home. Even more than he rejoiced over the good son who stayed home and never did anything bad. And I look at this, and I look at what Jesus does here, it's like he's acting out. He's acting out his own stories. He is pursuing the outcasts. He is giving a glimpse into the fact that he is going to pursue all the Gentiles in the world. And these people recognize him as savior. I love it. I love it. A few years ago, I read this book called Dirty God by Johnny Moore, and I forgot that I read it until I found a meme that I had made on Facebook a little while ago of this quote, and it said, Jesus is the kind of spiritual leader who loves, no, who in fact is obsessed by those who are a little rough around the edges. And it was talking about Jesus and the kind of God that he was and how he's willing to just come down here on earth and get his feet dirty and just live among us like he did to show us who God is. And I think about that, Jesus being obsessed by people who are a little rough around the edges. And that's exactly what you see in the story with Jesus and this woman who was probably the most quote unquote sinful woman in the whole village. And here's Jesus interacting with her and reaching out to her and saving her. As I was researching the story, I found this quote by one of the commentators. And he said, No one is too sinful to be saved, but many are too righteous. Yeah. We don't think we need it. We're good on our own. We don't need help. And I think this is where things just have gotten so mixed up. Christianity has it backwards so often. I don't know about you, but I've been in a number of places where it was all about getting our act together. Behave, behave, follow the rules, follow the standards, do the things that a good Christian would do. Read your Bible, pray, all this stuff, which I mean, that's not bad. Those are good things. But the motivation behind it was to create these good people. And guys, Jesus didn't die for us to make good people. He died because we were dead and we had to be brought back to life. He died to restore us. He died to give us freedom and life and a relationship with himself. It was about so much more than just making good people. And yet somehow in our Christianese religion, we get that so twisted. So twisted. And we break people and we hurt people and we, we lose ourselves and we're just filled with the shame and guilt and we can never move forward because we think that God wants good people, but he doesn't want good people. I mean, look at the person that he chose to be the gospel sharer for her whole town. He didn't pick the good one. He picked the one that was the most broken. That's good news. That's good news for you and me. Jesus likes broken people. Jesus likes broken people yesterday I ran into an acquaintance at the store and I don't know if you guys know but I I do a shipped shopping so like I'm a personal shopper for groceries when I'm not doing all the other things I like to do that's my job and I used to have this acquaintance who worked behind the deli counter and he would cut meat for my customers orders and we just goofed around we just had a lot of fun together he's probably my dad's age maybe a little bit younger and um we just had a lot, a lot of fun together. I hadn't seen him in a few months. He wasn't working anymore. And I ran into him yesterday in the store. And he was telling me that he's just got all his health problems right now. That his body is just basically shutting down. And his heart is a mess. And he just doesn't know how much longer he has. And it was just really heavy stuff. And I was like, I am so sorry. And so I listened and we talked. And we've never talked about God before. Because it was like just goofy stuff about meat and cheese. I mean, I don't know. At the deli counter. But I asked him as he's getting ready to leave. I said, would, would you be opposed to me praying for you? Like, I'd really like to pray for you. And I'll never forget what he said. I've been thinking about it for the last 24 hours or more. He looked at me and he smiled and he said, no, of course not. You can pray. Jesus is good with me. Jesus is good with me. Oh, guys. How often do we think about it that way? Jesus is good with me. He's good with us. He's good with all of us because of what he did on the cross. But how often do we think about, like, am I good with God? Or does God like me right now? Is he disappointed with me? And we think about it behavior-wise. Like, we're just fixed on our own stuff. Like, are we good enough for God to like us? Are we at a good place? Are we in a good spot with God? Not Jesus is good with me. Why? Why do we always have to go there? Why do we always have to think that it's about the stuff that we do or don't do? Why do we have to obsess about our behaviors? And I can honestly, I can hear Christians in my head right now screaming at me and saying, but Christy, you're trying to tell people it doesn't matter what they do. Like they're just going to go off and live in sin. I don't know if that's true, guys. If we really meet Jesus, if we come face to face with him, like the woman at the well, and we understand that it's not about ourselves, it's about what he's done for us, and we understand that he's good with us, I don't know that we can go off and do our own thing. Like, we're going to be totally in awe of him. And as we stand in his presence at the foot of the cross, and we praise him for taking our punishment for our sins, and we recognize the freedom that we've been given and the life that we've been given, how can we stay the same? We will change. There will be a difference about us. And yeah, guess what? Probably some things are going to fall off along the way and probably other things we're going to take on because we love Jesus and because he's changing us from the inside out. But I don't think it's our job to sit there and be like, hey, get those behaviors in line. Make sure you stop doing that. Watch out for that bad habit. <sighs> Maybe God wants to be the one to say that. Do you ever think about that? What if Christians are so quick to tell everyone to stop stop, 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 that we never even get a chance to let the Holy Spirit say that instead. Do we think that he's not big enough, that he's not big enough to be the one to point out sin in people's lives? That he's not powerful enough to be the one that says, hey, by the way, I love you, but you should stop sinning there. I've given you freedom, I've given you life. Jesus is good with us. (sighs) Jesus is good with us. Like he's good with us right now. He's good with us. He was good with the Samaritan woman at the well. And he's good with you and me. He wants to give us life and freedom. And he wants to restore us. He died to create that relationship again. To bring us to life. So yeah, we don't have to live the way we used to live. But guys, guess what? We are always going to be sinners. Because that's who we are. And no matter what stuff we figure out on the outside, there's still going to be junk in our hearts. Until we die and are resurrected and get to live with Jesus in heaven, there is going to be sin. There aren't any good people, just saved ones, rescued ones, ones that aren't lost anymore, ones that know Jesus. And that's that's the change. That's the difference. I don't want us to be Pharisees. I mean, the church, the Christian church here in the United States, so much of it is filled with people who are just doing the right thing. They're going through the religious motions. They're doing the Christianese stuff. They're buying the merchandise. They're saying the phrases. But do they know Jesus? Have they met him? Is he transforming their life from the inside out? Or are we just like the Pharisees? And Jesus called the Pharisees out. He said, you're whitewashed tombs. The outside looks great, but the inside is filled with dead men's bones. He told them that if they made... A convert, they would just turn him into twice the son of hell they were. These guys, they did the right stuff. They had their acts cleaned up and they missed God walking in front of them. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to miss Jesus. I am a broken, messed up person. And I'm okay with that because Jesus has saved me and he's in the process of restoring me. I'm never going to be perfect, but it doesn't matter because he is. And he's given me his righteousness and his perfection and his holiness. And he's fixing me up. And he's making me into the person that he wants me to be. Guys, when I think about the story of the woman at the well, I want to be that woman. I want to be that woman who says, hey, I've met this person. I've met this God, this man. His name is Jesus. And he knows everything about me. And I want you to come meet him too, because he's worth knowing. And I want you to be like the people in the town who say, Christy, it's not just because of what you said anymore that we believe. We've seen him, we've heard him, and we know him for ourselves, that he really and truly is the savior of the world. That's my goal. I want you to meet Jesus, the real Jesus, wild and crazy and out of the box, Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you another story next week about Jesus and we're going to ponder and be amazed all over again at his love his grace and his forgiveness and at the wild passion of his heart until next time guys keep searching if you enjoyed this podcast I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com for more content free resources and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God